Welcome to The Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast about vinyl records and craft beer. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined today by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hello. Hello there, Matt. Hello. So this episode is a... It's a genre that we don't dive into very often. Uh, I'm familiar with it. You're familiar with it, through mostly through jazz, I would say. Uh, but the niche genre we are talking about on this episode is Afro-Cuban, which is the combination of African rhythms with Spanish. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> yeah. From what I, from what I could research online, it has to do with West African ancestry coming over to Cuba, which influenced the music and started the whole Afro-Cuban revolution yeah. as far as that goes. Um, but it, it has to do with certain types of instruments, certain types of percussion, uh, certain types of rhythms, kind of related to samba, bossa nova, things like that. Um, but it's very specific to Cuba. Uh, there's been lots of jazz artists and whatnot venture into the Afro-Cuban spectrum at times. Yes. Um, some of those being... Who, you, who do you think of off the top of your head when you hear Afro-Cuban? Um, well, I mentioned Ray Barreto. Ray Barreto, okay. Uh, Chico Hamilton. Right. Then we talked about Coltrane. I saw bit. I saw online about Dizzy Gillespie being involved hmm. with Afro, but I couldn't, yeah, re- I couldn't place what he did. So maybe I'm just, my mind's going blank there. Willie Bobo was one that we talked yep, about. Yeah. Um, Alex Acuna, who played percussion for Weather Report. That was one that mm-hmm. was a big influence on the Weather Report sound because they yeah, they true. dabbled with it a lot. Uh, that Cal Tiader, I don't know how to pronounce his last yeah, name. T J A D E R. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Fantastic player. I think he does he play organ, piano. Is that right? He's kind of like a band leader. Yeah. Type. I know he played with maybe Miles or somebody and got famous and then went kind of on his own mm-hmm. and started putting out solo stuff. Even Santana. Oh yeah, definitely, you know? definitely count Santana into the mix with that. Um, but Afro-Cuban is just—it's a specific style of rhythms and music. Um, it's unmistakable when you hear it. It's—it's it's one of those things that you know it as soon as you hear it because it's oh, a yeah. very specific beat pattern. Um, apparently, according to Wikipedia, because I was reading up a little bit. Um, Pretty much all Cuban music has been uh, influenced by African rhythms. So all the music that comes out of Cuba is pretty much Mm Afro-Cuban just because of the migration pattern and whatnot. Um, The other cool thing about it is they use a lot of odd time signatures. A lot of stuff's in 7-8 and 5-8, like waltz time, but but like slightly swinging. Like everything Mm -hmm. has a swing to it. So... That's another thing that I think is interesting about Afro-Cuban music. But the album we're talking about is one of the, uh, I guess since the 90s, has been considered the upper echelon of Afro-Cuban albums, and that's Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah, yep. uh, With Ry Cooter as a band leader and a huge group of older guys in Cuba playing the music. Um, The beer we're pairing it with, just to get to the beer part, is a Founders Mango Magnifico Con Color. Yeah. Does that sound right? It is a mango-infused, what is it, like a pale ale IPA? Uh, it's not an IPA. I'm um, not sure exactly what it is. It's got a very reddish, orangish, amber yeah. hue to it. 
but it is infused with habanero. It is. And that is unmistakable when you take a drink from it's it. It's there. Are you getting it on the back of your throat some when you yeah. like when you take oh, a yeah. drink? It, it's a little bit of it lingers. A little bit of fire on the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about it? Do you like it? You can kind of smell it too. A little smell bit. the habanero in a little bit. A little bit, but you definitely get that tingle. Going yeah, like on. you can, you can feel it. Yeah, like the feel of the heat back there. But I like it. It's not a beer that I'm gonna get on a regular basis it is part of their rotating series um so and this one is from a couple months back so okay. i was hoping it might calm down a little well bit. i think that once like my first sip was a little rough like i could get the heat yeah, really strong right. in the back of my throat not i've had a couple sips like most things <laughs> just like a good whiskey or bourbon right it's starting to mellow out to where i don't get as heavy of a habanero yeah flavor right yeah which is a good thing because it's a little harsh on the first sip a little bit. Uh, it I lets got, you know I what you're some, in for. Yeah, I got some good burn on the back of my throat. It's, and it's only in a uh, a 22-ounce right. bottle. So perfect for sharing. Definitely perfect yeah. for sharing. I, I remember the first time I bought it, I drank the bottle by myself. And it was a little bit hard to get through by the wow. end. You know, I mean, you're drinking two <laughs> mango habanero <laughs> beers. Yeah, how, how was the whole bottle by itself? Did you? Did it, I mean, were you feeling pretty good after that? Or yeah, it's ten percent. So right, you're off and running <laughs> a little bit. Just getting started. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the second bottle you <laughs> polished off of Magnifico. Yeah, I think it has a really good pronounced mango flavor, though. I do enjoy the sweetness that comes from it, mm-hmm. the mango. Yeah, I wish there was more in the middle between sweet and hot. You know, I, I don't feel a lot of body in it i just get a sweet note at the beginning and a hot note at the end yeah and nothing much in the middle yeah true it's perfectly drinkable i don't not a bad beer at all no it's part of the same founders stuff that we had on a previous podcast right part of that same yeah it's part of the same series Uh, what that chocolate raspberry yeah the the was something wood oh no that was the the fruit, fruit yeah, fruit wood. wood. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while, but we did that one that was the uh, the big luscious. Oh yeah, is and that it, part of the series? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. the big luscious was incredible. Yeah, Knocked that, that one was right incredible. out of the park. But you know, for some Afro-Cuban music, hey, you know, this is pretty good for that. Magnifico. <laughs> a little bit of mango, a little <laughs> bit of heat. That's yeah. absolutely perfect. Um, so the album we're talking about is Buena Vista Social Club, which we should also mention was not just an album, but a huge documentary as well. Mm, yes. Came yeah. out in 1997. Mm-hmm. I think the documentary might've came out before the album. So it was probably 96 or 97. The album. Was it really? Okay. I think so. Um, yeah, my notes say it coincides with the movie, but that could mean anything. So yeah, it was released in 99. Oh, okay. Well, that's a significant amount of time after the album um but basically the the album and the movie both are the story of rye cooter going to cuba uh while we still had the embargo going on so this is late 90s cuba uh it was tough for him to get there to begin with because he had to go through mexico to get to cuba that was the first the first tough part 
there were supposed to be some African musicians coming into Cuba to play with the Cuban guys. Their visas got held. Mm-hmm. They never made it. So then Ry Cooter was like, okay, well, let's see what we can do with these guys. So that's that's kind of what started the whole thing. Dos gardenias para ti que tendrán todo el calor de un beso. So, so Ry Cooter gets these guys together and they start playing him some traditional music that they've been playing for years and years and years. Um, especially these older guys. These guys are so old in the movie. Oh, like when yeah. you watch them playing, yeah. that the one dude, Ibrahim Farrar, he's ancient. Yeah. And they've played with band leaders from like the 20s and 30s. I mean, these guys are as legit as it gets for Afro-Cuban music. Yeah. They, they know all the standards. They know they what they're like doing. They were like in their 80s or something. Yeah, like for that. sure. And yeah. all smoking cigars. And yeah. That's, that's kind of what leads <laughs> to the uh, to the cool part about watching them play it is is how just cool those guys are. Yeah. And that mixed in with like the old cars driving up and down the streets because right. they've still got those old U.S. cars from right before the embargo happens. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got stuck with those cars until recent times. I mean, they couldn't get they couldn't get any car they wanted in from the US because we had an embargo where they couldn't yeah. import goods. So, um that's something that's really neat about it. As well as those guys can all play so well. Oh man. Like they they're so impressive to watch. Yeah. Um I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on the album? And the movie. I know you said it's been a while since you saw the movie. It's been a while since, yeah, I've seen the movie. Um, the album, I remember when it came out. I mean, it was groundbreaking. You know, it was legendary. Right. And Rye is, was the perfect person to do that. I mean, he's no stranger to going off the beaten path and doing Yeah, he's different. all. he's always dabbled in world music. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, he's always been into, like... Uh, it, anything experimental, he'll kind of gravitate yeah. towards. So. Yeah, and he's multi-talented in his playing too. Oh yeah, you know? I mean he's very versatile. But I love the album. To me, it's kind of a I don't want to say background mm-hmm. music, but it's nice, upbeat. If you're cooking dinner or something, like, you know, it just it's a Saturday night. It's I'll a say good it's Saturday a, night album. Yeah, and it's a little tough if you don't speak Spanish, because you're not yeah. going to understand what they're saying. It's all right. in Spanish. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is actually to me, it's okay. I mean, I think the songs you can understand what what's being conveyed. Yeah. Without actually knowing what they're saying, because it's it's the it's the mood that each song evokes. <laughs> So yeah, all the songs are in Spanish. If you don't speak Spanish, no big deal. You'll still enjoy the tracks. Yeah. Um, I would say all the musicians in it but i can't speak well enough <laughs> right. spanish i do know the band leader outside of rye was juan de marcos gonzalez he's kind of the guy that spearheaded it and put all the guys together mm-hmm. he went and found all the local dudes 
They named it after an actual club in town called the Buena Vista Social Club that had been around forever. Yeah. And was a meeting spot where they would where they would play music. Um, I found it really interesting that it's ranked number 260 on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. Hmm. I mean, that that should speak to how... That's pretty big. For a, all, for a non-English world music album. Yeah. Because it really is world music. Right. To rank that high on the list should should tell you something there, especially yeah. on Rolling Stone's list. Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. Um, it and it also I think it won a Grammy. I believe it won a Grammy for. <laughs> I love the I love the uh, the category that it won a Grammy for. So it won a 1998 Grammy for best traditional tropical Latin album. <laughs> tropical Latin album. <laughs> Outside of. Which other kind of Latin album, I guess, were they yeah, up to? I as mean, opposed to the best non-traditional. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess if Jethro Tull can win for metal, then anybody can true, win for anything. But, true. Uh, and that would have been just a few years yeah. before this. But still, um, I think it could have it could have even won like best world album. I'm surprised it didn't because yeah, that was a category should've. back then, I think. It should have. Um, but I... The other thing I found really interesting when I was reading up on the album was that that since Rye couldn't speak Spanish, the whole album was made through translators. Hmm. I didn't know that. And that's pretty incredible because yeah. all of those guys, you know, some could speak very broken English, but for the most part, they all spoke Spanish. Yeah. So in order to, to talk to Rye about songs, they'd have to have a translator in between the two. Oh, Wow. Hmm. So that's a whole nother level of that is. And also I like the fact that Rye kind of, you know, as prolific as a guitar player as he is and how kind of upfront he is about his guitar playing a lot of times. Like if he's on an album, you can tell yeah. he's on an album. Right. right? He'll make yeah. sure he lets, lets himself be known. He really lays back on. Oh this. yeah. You'll he's hear not the focus at all. No, not at all. You'll hear a little bit of slide from time to time. Like he'll put it in for effect or maybe a little bit of rhythm. I think he does like a guitar battle with a dude on one of the tracks. Uh, I wrote it down because I really enjoyed it. Kind of like Crossroads in the movie. <laughs> like a Spanish Crossroads. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's the... Uh, I can't pronounce that. It's the one that's the long question. Y2K has hit yours. I remember Y2K. Yeah, exactly. I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try to. Um, but yeah, it's got the... Uh, it's got a duet between a, uh, a guitar, I guess called a trace, maybe a trace guitar. And then Ry Cooter for like the Spanish and English back and forth. So that's hmm. that's pretty neat. Yeah. It's a cool thing. Um, the one song on there, that El Caratero, I think I had that on every mix CD I had in high school because <laughs> I liked it so much. I Like as soon as I hear the first few lines in the song and the guy starts singing it, it immediately evokes high school because yeah. I was a huge fan of this album in high school. It was just... There's nothing like it. I mean, no, no, there wasn't anything like it. And the fact that it got so popular helped people like me living in rural Kentucky get exposed yeah. to this type of music. True. Um, and then later on, through all the jazz means, you know, like yeah. so many jazz albums have Afro Cuban beats to them. Art Blakey was a huge fan of, of Afro Cuban rhythms. Most jazz drummers in the 60s were kind of into the Afro-Cuban beat. Yeah, and it showed, and their their playing was very flavored in that. Right. 
in that groove. And then later with uh, with Fela, Fela Cootie. Yeah. And Ginger Baker, it, it even expanded that out even That's more. That's true, yeah. Um, there's one song on there too uh, called El Carto de Tula, maybe, that was featured. One, it has a 13-year-old kid playing timbales on it, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. It was also in Training Day, in the movie Training oh, Day. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I learned that from reading about it online. You haven't seen Training Day? Oh, no. I've seen Training Day. Oh, okay. I haven't. You've never seen Training <laughs> no. Day? Well, we should just do a podcast where we watch Training Day, and <laughs> okay. and I just recite half the words to you, because I've seen it so many times. Sounds good. That's a great film. I can't believe yeah. you've seen it. It's the uh, Do you know the Chappelle Show skit where, um, where Wayne Brady and Dave Chappelle are hanging out? Have you ever seen that? I don't And it gives so. Wayne Brady the PCP? Yeah. And he says, damn, Wayne, I didn't know you like to get wet. <laughs> that came from Training Day. Yeah. It's a great line in the film. I'd advise everybody to watch Training Day if you've not ever seen it. I don't know. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's, um, oh, I can't I think of his name. Uh, I, I can't think of his name. I can't think of who all's in it. My brain's on Buena Vista Social Club, so I can't tell you who all's in it. Why? Who's in it, Matt? Why am I... Why am I fetching a blank here? Why can't I see? I can see him talking to me in my head. Why can't I say his name? You've got the computer, Matt. Look this up. I'm looking it up. Come on, Matt. Look- we need oh, Denzel. Denzel. And Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke, yes. Yeah. Denzel. I can't think of his name for the life of me. Yeah. Denzel's so over the top in that movie. He plays a, a dirty cop. Uh, I'm sure this is probably like. Yeah, there's a there's a Cuban or Mexican gang in the film, and that's where this song is prevalent. It's great. I like that song a lot. I like uh, I really love that Dos Gardenias song. Oh yeah, that uh, Abraham Ferrar sings. The guy that's got the big cigar in uh-huh. the movie. He's so cool. Yeah, like he is the coolest guy. The epitome the of cool. Always got a cigar. Um, I'm not gonna ask you to name any songs because they're all in Spanish. <laughs> yes. But is there? Let's get away from this album for a minute. Are there any jazz records you can think of that feel in a similar vein to like Buena Vista? Like hmm. as far as rhythms or... I mean, we were talking about Willie Bobo earlier. Yeah. What was that album we were talking about? Spanish, Spanish Rise? Spanish Rise, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Um, honestly, and listening to this album today... Re- refreshing myself with it it made me want to listen to the latin playboys mm. which is the los lobos yeah side project thing. Well, i mean los lobos yeah you know they they employ a lot of that mix it with rock music yeah that's fantastic yeah um so yeah it's super important it is the most shining example of afro-cuban music you can probably come across yeah it's every song is incredible there's a lot of uh, a lot of different rhythms present in all the songs. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of ballads, waltzes, more up tempo stuff. A lot of a lot of awesome vocal harmonies as well. True. With three and four people singing yeah. together. True. That I really enjoy. So great album. Uh, mm-hmm. So what do you think about this beer? Now we've like let it mellow for a bit. You think it it gets better when you let it sit for a bit? Yeah, I think it's good. It's solid. You know. I'm happy to drink this one. And then next year when it comes around, probably buy another one just to see how different it is. Do you think that if like it is 
one glass is enough or do you think that I think one glass is enough. Like if you me. were out, if you were out somewhere, could you do two pints of this being out somewhere? I mean, I could if I had to. Well, yeah. I mean, if someone tied you know, your arms behind your back yeah. and said, you know, you have to, what we got to, Oh, I was just looking at it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's got a lot of like floaties in it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, A little sediment. Oh man. It's got a lot of sediment in it. How old did you say this beer was, Matt? But look at mine. There's nothing in mine. Uh, we got a... Or did I... Hmm. Was that the first pour or second pour? I don't know. Did you find this glass in a dumpster? That glass? No, that glass is clean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just joking. It, there's a lot of sediment in mine, though. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of little floaties in there. That's just the habanero. True. Like, a little bit of extra capsaicin in there for you. I, I think it's solid beer. I probably would not suggest more than a pint of it. <laughs> no. I think it's a little too strong. Yeah. Like it's got too much. It might be paired well with a meal. Yeah, true. Mexican food. Probably Hot be fantastic. Tamales. Or Cuban food. Yeah. There's a fantastic Cuban place in Nashville. Wish I could think of the name of it so I could plug it. I can't think of a name off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, this would be great for that. Yeah. So until next time. See you. Ting. Ting it. Ting them together.